Are you looking for freedom? Freedom from the daily grind and hustle? Or just finding a way to live the life you always wanted? Then join us on the Investing for Freedom podcast. Our host, Mike Ayala, will help you discover new ways to find freedom with tips, insights, and interviews. You'll learn the exact systems he's used to travel the world and live his best life. True success and happiness are all about freedom. And here's your roadmap on how to find freedom on your own terms. Welcome to the Investing for Freedom podcast. Here's your host, Mike Ayala. Thank you for joining me on the Investing for Freedom podcast. Today, we have a very, very special show that I'm super excited about because we have a guy that is a freaking ninja on the show. Um, I've been watching Nigel from afar and have had some great conversations with him. And this guy is probably just one of the um, number one most genuine, um, just excited. He's just always wanting to add value, give value, give information, which is one of my core like philosophies. You know, anytime we're talking about social media or, uh, you know, the podcast or just adding value in the world, I just love the Zig Ziglar quote that says you can have everything in life if you just help enough other people get what they want. And I love watching this guy because he's always just adding value. And back to the social media front, anytime I'm talking with anybody about building a personal brand or any of that, you know, my philosophy is always like, give, 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 and then ask. And most people want to lead with the ask and never just want to give. And so I feel like we have that in common. And this guy's just got so much to offer in many areas. And one thing that I'm excited about is Nigel is not only a real estate investor, he's a great business operator, he's a great business partner. And more than that, I watch his social media and I, like I said, I watch him from afar and he's just a family man. He's like a family man first. So Nigel, thanks for being on the show. Absolutely, Mike. Thank you so much for having me. And everything you said there, I feel the exact same way about you. Um, just super blessed to, uh, to, to get to know you over the last couple of years through GoBundance. And, uh, and I love what you do. So yeah, I'm, I'm excited to be here. I hope that today I can, can help some folks, uh, you know, learn to invest and actually get freedom and, and then most importantly, help other people to, to get there as well. Oh, that's exciting, man. I know that, uh, I think our biggest challenge today is going to be figuring out how to pack it all into 45 minutes. So, um, Oh man. Yeah. Oh hey, man. Hang yeah, on that's, everyone. That's, that's going to be tough. <laughs> yeah. We might have to do a round two next quarter or something, right? I'm always down. Cool. I'm always down. Okay. So we got to get to the four questions. So Nigel, who's had the greatest impact on your life? So the greatest impact in my life was definitely my grandma. Uh, my grandma was uh, born and raised in Arkansas, in Fayetteville, Arkansas. She stood about five foot uh, tall, really small lady. Um, but when you talk about somebody who just lived an epic life, my grandma lived an epic life. Um, my, my grandma was, was born in the Depression era, and uh, her high school boyfriend was John Tyson. Uh, she got to, so she got to, to be around that level of business. And she uh, ended up being a single mom with two little boys, got married to who I consider my grandma or my grandpa, who was a race car driver and uh, and just lived that life. So in the 50s, they would you know hop on planes and do do that type of stuff. They both they built their own house, um, built cabins. They just they lived an epic life. And most of all, my grandma taught me about business. And what she taught me was uh, first and foremost, she says, you know, I will teach you how to make more money in your life than you will ever than you will ever know how to spend. But there's one truth, absolute truth you have to accept. And there are two rules. The first absolute truth is this, real estate doesn't appreciate in value. Mm. And then the two rules are this, number one, from now on for the rest of your life, as long as you ever get asked, anytime somebody asks you, you have to go out of your way to help other people get there. Mm. 
in business and in investing. And number two is that when you're done, before you're done, before you start, you need to know what you're going to do with the asset at the, at the end. And that is one thing, and that is to give it away. It's not to sell it. It's not to hand it down, you know, to create so that somebody else can have it. It's to give it away. Because by thinking that way, you're no longer the owner of an asset. You're the fiducial of an asset. Mm. And she used a great metaphor, and I was dating my wife at the time. And the metaphor she used at that time was, and I'm sorry, there's some, some traffic on the street. I'm, I'm actually in Napa right now. Uh, celebrating my 40th birthday with one of my buddies. So I apologize for a little bit of noise here. No worries. My, uh, what she said was, she said, if you bought flowers and you wanted to say thank you to your spouse, would you, would you buy those flowers and, and put them in a vase and, uh, you know, maybe rose petals from the door to the kitchen table so that she saw those? Or would you keep them in your car for a week, smell them, enjoy them yourself. And when they're withered and about to die, would you hand them to your wife and go, hey, I got these for you. I had them and now they're yours. And I said, well, yeah, of course, if I wanted to, you know, if I wanted to, to impress my wife, of course, I'd, I'd buy the flowers. I'd get the baby's breath, the vase, the whole nine hours. She goes, then why is it in business that everybody does the opposite? Why is it that everybody sucks every dollar of cash flow out of it? All the enjoyment that the employees have squeezes and tightens everything to the very last bit, takes everything that there is and then goes, oh, by the way, I paid this amount for this business. So I expect you to give me that. Hmm. And I said, well, that's, that's crazy. She goes, yeah, that's business. That's so what you need to do is go in thinking, I'm giving this away. I'm building something that's better. I'm making it better for the next guy. My job is to clear the path for the next guy so that he can run faster to get to where I am so that he can blaze the trail or she can blaze the trail for the next guy too. And when we all do that, we're no longer thinking about how do I squeeze that last little penny out of, out of something? How do I, how do I do it? You know that you're going to do it the right way every day. You know that you're going to give a better business to your customers, to the next guy who buys it, to your employees, to everybody. Hmm. And so by having that mentality, it just shifted it. So from the very get-go, my grandma who, you know, she she was she was by all things considered nothing that that most people would say, boy, this is this is the pinnacle of business, but I'll tell you what, for a woman who grew up in the depression who who did very very well for herself, um, she had the biggest impact and she took years with me every weekend to, to go over business. It was awesome. That's so cool. And I have so many questions and I'm going <laughs> to, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to push some of these off. And if we have time, I'll circle back to them, but a couple things. So the, 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 the part of that where she said real estate doesn't appreciate and then tying in the yeah. fact that, you know, you have to give the asset away. Are those just, is that, was that an actual belief of hers or was that more of just positioning the mindset? Absolutely. No, absolute belief. So she used to, she used to tell me this. So let me dive into that one a little bit deeper. Mm -hmm. And I had this debate with, uh, with David Osborne and rock Thomas back in Aspen here about a year ago, man, we sat and we went around for like three hours on this. And at the end, they just go, we can't, we can't see a flaw in this. Wow. And it's right. Yeah. So she said this, she says, imagine you buy a house today. How many hamburgers can you buy for that house? How many hamburgers can you buy for your house? I know I saw you just listed your house, right? So, yeah. so how many hamburgers can Mike Ayala buy for his house? If you went down to Red Robin and bought house, hamburgers, I don't know, you know, however many hamburgers, right? Yep. But the question is, is, when you bought that house, how many hamburgers could you buy for that house? See, because what you're really doing when you buy a piece of real estate or a business, as long as you don't improve it, yep. if it stays the same, so if you didn't add bedrooms to it or 
or do something, you know, to, to fundamentally change the real estate asset. You know, if it's just your home that you're living in, yeah, the, the amount of hamburgers you could buy the day you bought the house and the hamburgers you can buy today are the same amount of hamburgers. Sure. What you're really doing is you're pausing a certain amount of money in time. See, 25 years ago, she was teaching me that when you buy a piece of property, you're not really buying a piece of property. You're buying the debt and the servicing value of that debt. And so what people think of as a, as appreciation is not appreciation. Mm-hmm. That is inflation. And you and I both know that we've watched inflation go through the roof. And it's not really what, you know, what the government might say. It's at 2%. There's a, there's a different ratio. Sure. And it falls very, very similar. So she had like the old guns and butter, you know, where does GDP go? She used hamburgers and houses. Yeah. And she's right. No, she, and she, so we, I get, I get that completely. And, and that brings a lot of clarity around it. In fact, as a little side note, um, I was at the rebel capitalist conference a month ago and Jason Hartman was there. Do you know who Jason is? Yeah. Yeah. Great guy. So he was there. Um, yeah, I actually joined the mastermind, Jason and George Gammon and Ken McElroy put a mastermind together that I joined. And Jason was talking about, he's created this Hartman, um, consumer index, um, HCI yeah. it's called or something like yeah. that. Anyway, he, he does the correlation that your grandma did with everything, including prostitution. Like what was the price of a prostitute? I know it's crazy. Um, but he just correlated like housing prices to all this stuff, gold, silver, corn, wheat, um, everything. And so that makes total sense. Like, um, real estate doesn't appreciate the, you know, the buying power inflation and all that. So thanks for clarifying. Um, the other thing, so, and again, I don't want to get too off track on this. We could circle back to it, but when she said you have to give the asset away. Um, okay. Yep. I, so I get the mindset. Um, and by the way, I'm a buy and hold guy. And so there, you know, there's a lot of people that are like, whenever you get into a business or whenever you buy a property, you know, the exit strategy has to be clear as mud. And I've never really thought about it that way. And I'm not saying it's right or wrong. Um, but I've never really thought about it that way until I started bringing in investors and partners, etc. You know, even when we put a fund together, there has to be an exit built into the documents. So how do you how do you balance the philosophy now that you're bringing in investors and partners? Because I'm guessing that, you know, we were talking offline about a deal you have coming up, and I'm guessing that if I'm going to invest in your deal, I'm not necessarily as an investor, even though I have the same kind of philosophy maybe that your grandma had, I'd just like a little bit of clarity around that. But as an investor, I'm not necessarily looking to get into a lifelong relationship with every single asset sure. that I invest in. So how do you balance that? Absolutely. Yeah. So there is a cost benefit analysis of it, right? I mean, what's, what's what Warren Buffett say? What's the day you're supposed to buy the day you have money? What's the day you sell the, the day, you know, that, that you die. Well, my dad used to tell me, he says, you know, anything's only worth what two idiots are willing to pay for it. And so if somebody's a bigger idiot and wants to pay something over than what they should take the money. And, and my uncle had two signs at his, in his office when you, when you negotiate with him and one says those that understand interest, make it, those that don't pay it. <laughs> and then funny. another one that said that there's a sucker born every minute, which is PT Barnum's quote. And then he added underneath that, what time of day were you born? Are you-, and, you know, when, when were you born? Right. So yeah. he's, he's in essence saying, Hey, I understand how this works. And if you don't get it, we'll go at it. I mean, he was, he was a, he's a very smart businessman, but, but there's always a time to sell if the right opportunity comes up. But hold as if you're never going to sell, buy as if you're never going to sell, buy as if you're giving it away. And when the right thing comes up, you'll know, you know, I, I, before I met my wife, I dated a whole bunch of girls, but the moment my wife was there, I was like that one. 
that one. I, I, I don't, I don't know what it is, but it's that one. Yeah. Now, if somebody said, Hey, you know, when I was 17, 18, 19, list out all the attributes you want of a woman. I probably would have listed a whole bunch of them that my wife has, but now as a 40 year old man, the attributes that I'm wanting are different than what I wanted at 19. Right. Yeah, sure. Thank the Lord. My wife has all, right. So, so that's, you know, and they're the attributes I didn't know, but when, now that I'm here, I'm like, man, thank you, Jesus, for giving me the wonderful wife I've got. Yeah. Right. And this, this is one of those things with, with investing now because of depreciation schedules and, and the tax code and, and different things. Yes, there are going to be times that we sell assets. Uh, I've been told basically shake your portfolio up every 10 to 15 years. So rotate that through because of depreciation, because of 1031s, because of where it is. But that doesn't mean that you're taking all the money off the table. It means that you are, you know, reshuffling the deck. And it makes sense because market cycles and what you would have wanted to invest in in 1995 is probably different than what you want to invest in 2010, Mm -hmm. which is different than what you want to invest in today. Yeah. So, so that was literally, it was that, that one was a mindset where she was saying, go in planning on holding it forever and giving it away at the end. And if things happen along the way, adjust, she wasn't literally saying that you have to hold everything you buy forever and give it away. It was a mindset. Yeah. I mean, well, I mean, but she did live it. I mean, so her dad, my great grandfather started great house cannery corporation. My grandma had two older brothers. One had really severe autism, was a math savant. And the older brother was killed in the Second World War. The day that the that the army showed up at their office at their house and said, "Hey, you know, Stanley was killed." My great grandpa went into severe depression, mm. and uh, he had a truck driver who was my grandma's high school boyfriend at the time, or from before. Uh, at that time, I think my grandma uh, had, had moved on different relationship. The guy was a truck driver, and uh, and and we all know his name now as as Tyson Industries, John Tyson. My great grandfather goes, "Hey, I can't do this anymore. Here you go." And literally gave him like 3 million chickens and wow. processing plants and everything. And at the time, John Tyson was a, was a truck driver for my great grandfather. Hmm. And that's how that company, that's, that's one of the things that started that company. And, and I was just in Fayetteville here about a month ago and walked that property that my, my family still has, wow. you know, some of my, some of my second cousins. And, and you look at it and you go, holy cow, this is where this is. But when they said like, you give it away, he gave away a company that's now worth tens of billions of dollars. Wow. That's crazy. You know, he, he was a very smart business person. He dropped out of school in the seventh grade. He business advised the two people, uh, both of them in the Fayetteville, Fayetteville area. Uh, one being John Tyson, the other one being Sam Walton. Hmm. So the pedigree that I get to come from is, is, is stout. Um, very fortunate in that. But, uh, but I don't say that to boast or brag. I say it because, these are real things that other people who are smarter than us, you know, generations before I existed that did it. So why would I change something? Because let's be honest, I'm probably never going to be a better retailer than Sam Walton. I'll probably <laughs> never be a, be a better processor than John Tyson. Those guys took something and built it. And the reason they could build is because somebody laid a path that cut that for them. So those guys could blaze a trail and they got that experience on an already beaten path. Mm. You know, one of the things you need in business is you need experience. So if you don't have experience, you need to intern or you need a mentor. Mm-hmm. Well, if that mentor clears the path for you and goes, hey, I'm going to let you see the rocks on there, but I'm going to tell you where they're at in advance and how to handle those, yeah. that education, you get that too. Totally. Yeah. And that's what she did. It's a total different mentality, totally different set than what we're taught nowadays. Because most people nowadays are take as much as you can get and go. Mm-hmm. But yeah. she was right. She's taught me how to make more money than I could ever spend. So since I know 
how much I spend every month. And I know if I've done, you know, we've done our, our one sheets, you know, in Gil abundance and, and our enough number, right. Yep. Already there. Yeah. So what do you do when you get to enough and you realize you have enough money, but you're not doing all the things that you say, boy, I would do this. Then it comes down to one real philosophical question, which is, do you really want that shit? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the truth is, if you have the money and you could do it, would you, and you're not living it, yeah. you actually don't want it. Right. Somebody else has told you that you want it. So then now redo your, redo your priorities. Yeah. When I did that here about a year ago with my, my pod in, uh, we were in, in, uh, Wisconsin, that's when I decided, you know what, I'm, I'm done working on this, this appliance business as, as many hours as I was working. And, uh, and I'm giving that away. Mm-hmm. And me and my family, we moved to a place for better lifestyle. And we moved to Southern Missouri from, from Oregon. And uh, I'll tell you what, been super blessed in the fact that I, that I followed that because I thought I was chasing the money and, and that really screwed up some, some relationships and, and some things. So glad I did it. Yeah. And you said something that was interesting too, you know, like if you have the money and you're able to do it and you're not doing it, it's because you don't really want it or because somebody told you that. But also like when you said that, what also uh, popped into my head is, you know, maybe a former version of yourself told you that too. And that's yeah. why I think it's so important. You know, you said a couple things there about like standing on the shoulders of giants. Um, one of my mentors always calls it collapsing timeframes, right? If, yep. if we can lean into something that took you 10 years to learn, and I want to touch on this at some point, but like you're, you're in business with a young man, um, which is a super exciting story, but he's able to basically collapse timeframes, right? Because he gets 20, 30, well, generations of wisdom that, you know, are just even part of your DNA. And so calling that collapsing timeframes, a lot of times when I say that people are like, what the hell does collapsing timeframes mean? Well, literally what took you 10 or 20 or 30 years to learn, you know, Sean gets to learn it in potentially a year or two or three, if he really just leans in and listens to it. And so anyway, back to what you said, um, you know, it might be something that somebody else told you, but also it's some, it could be something that a former version of yourself told you too. And I don't think that we take I love, that's what I love about GoBundance and our GoPods and the one sheets and because we're constantly challenging each other to check back in and, and people can do this with themselves. And this is one of the reasons why, you know, a lot of times when I say the five part process that I always go through, what do you really want? Why do you want it? What are you going to do to get it? Measure results. But then the most important part is adjust. And people are always like, well, what do you mean adjust? When you set goals, aren't you supposed to like see it through and everything? Well, yeah, we have to go in with that mindset that we need to see it through. But the reality is those goals may have been set by a former version of yourself and you've grown into a bigger thought process or container or room. And sometimes I loved what you said that, you know, it could be something that somebody else told you, but I think we have to be really cognizant that it could be something that we thought we wanted at some point in time and we just really don't want anymore. And so giving ourselves that grace and freedom to adjust, I think is one of the most important things we can do. Absolutely. Well, and, and you said something there, my mom used to always say that, what do you, what do you want and what are you willing to do to get it? Mm. You know, and I had that conversation with, with Gabe Hamill here about a year ago and he put that up on his Instagram and, and that was, that was something that for me, you know, I was never the stud athlete that he is, you know, I was one in 26, my freshman year of wrestling, which if you know, wrestling, that means you suck. <laughs> if you win one time and you lose 26 times, uh, it's an individual sport that's on you. And so that was what I had to do is I, I had to, you know, I never was that stud. I, mm-hmm. I had to tenacity it through. Yeah. But what that taught me was I've got to go 100% in one direction. But the moment that I'm given either new data or new information or something comes to light, I've got to be willing 
to adjust and go 180 degrees in the opposite direction Mm -hmm. based on new information that I'm given. And too often people dive into something and they say, well, I've got to be in this Mm -hmm. and this is what I've done. And so I'm, I'm in no, the moment you're given better information, you should adjust a hundred percent based on the new information given. So I have no problem with somebody changes drastically what they're doing or, or a political change or whatever, because they've, they've now got a different, amount of information and that's what we're supposed to do yeah and 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 we don't do that right we don't do that so that's what i'm that's what i'm working on i love that perspective and you know as you were saying that i i think there's so many this goes into what i think is like really part of my core mission um and and you and i could probably agree on this for for ages but you know the whole concept of go to school go to college get a job work for the man till you're 65 70 the 401k I think what you just what you just touched on is probably one of the biggest because I talk to people almost every single day that have you know poured years into their college and their career and now they have new information from somewhere they have new desires but they're so vested in you know college and the money they they might even still have student loans that are you know at a hundred thousand hundred fifty thousand and now all of a sudden they're saying you know, everything that I've been taught and trained since I was little, I went to school to be a lawyer and now everything's telling me that I want to do something different. I'm not happy yet. As you said, they're not willing to adjust, right? Yeah, that's right. And, and the thing is I was super blessed in the fact that my parents did not send me to public school until the sixth, uh, fifth grade, Mm -hmm. late fifth grade. Mm -hmm. Um, so I was, I was part of a, uh, of a one room schoolhouse, um, school where from first grade to fourth grade if you were really good at math you could be a first grader in with seventh graders Mm -hmm. and that was what we did and so you just got you got better and better and better because you you surrounded yourself now as a fourth grader i didn't read well so i was in with second graders you know reading and that was just how that went Mm -hmm. right and but that taught you to get stronger and 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 we do proposals you know you do you do presentations on on something that you'd research and you could pick anything you wanted so did the Beatles and, and giant pandas and, and all sorts of, you know, and on how much, how, how pennies are made, mm-hmm. you know, and coins and, and what, what that looks like, because that's what I was interested in, in the first and second and third grade. Right. Yeah. And so they let you go with that. And that was awesome because those type of things shift up that mentality early on. So I'm glad that I wasn't indoctrinated in the, the typical education, Yeah. but but that's, that's, that's where that comes from. And I probably wouldn't have that if it weren't for the fact that my, my parents said, this is super important. It's, and so we try and do that for our kids now too. It sounds like your parents invented the acting school. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> that's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they were, they were part of it. There, there was, there's a school. It's in, it was in Salem, Oregon, where I grew up called Mill Creek wow. and uh, awesome school. And uh, ironically, the guy who helped found that school is the landlord He's like 85 years old. He is the landlord at the laundromat that my wife and I have in Kaiser. Wow. Uh, and That's so, cool. yeah, Parvi is an amazing guy. He's an Indian guy. Super awesome. Put everything back into his uh, into his kids and into family. And he, he's a great business person. But his whole thought was, how do we actually make people awesome? You know, and how do we make kids kids be kids and everybody with what they're unique and good at be good at that? And then don't judge them. Just go, okay, let's, let's throw fuel on the fire. Yeah. And, and that's, I'm, I'm blessed to put it around that. Well, I have a feeling, so I'm going to say this real quick because we're, um, 
we're not even to question number two. So the thing that I want to say to the audience here is um, if we don't get to this, Nigel is, as I said at the beginning, he's a ninja. Like he just alluded to a laundromat and he's owned businesses and he's business partner and he's got real estate investments all over the country. And so I just want to say that because I don't know if we're going to get to your portfolio or not or what any of that looks like. So we might have to come back later and have you give us some practical advice around investing because this is sure. so good. And I think the most important thing that we can do for our audience is help them with mindset shift, which I think all of this probably is. And so I just wanted to drop that line. If we don't have time or don't get to the fact that Ninja or Nigel, I just called you Ninja. I might just start calling you Ninja. <laughs> um, that Nigel is like a business guru, then I just wanted to plant that out there. So Nigel, if you could narrow it down to one thing that has had the greatest impact on your success, what would that be? I think it was that, that my family actually cared. Mm. And, and then whenever I wasn't good at something, they didn't, if I wanted it and I wasn't good at it, they just said, keep going, keep going, keep going. And they encouraged, because I think one thing that that's the biggest difference between myself and my wife, my wife is an amazing woman. She is a, as smart or smarter than me in business. People like her better. She's prettier. I mean, she's got every attribute I don't have. Mm-hmm. Um, she's got a filter. I don't have that. Um, but, uh, but my parents were really good about, even when I sucked, even when I wasn't good, even when I should probably stop, they go, you're going to learn this on your own. Keep going, keep going. You'll get there. You'll get there. And, uh, and that was a huge huge aspect for me is that I was encouraged. And, and that's why, you know, um, you know, I want to encourage anybody who who's looking to go into business or invest. Yeah. I want to be that person behind you saying you can do this mm. because I'm not smarter than anybody else. I'm not mm. the, the education that's in between my ears is the sum of, just like you said, it's the sum of decades and generations of people who went before me. Yeah. But every idea that I have is because it's a mutation or a manipulation or a thought that was given by somebody else. Yeah. We don't actually come up with individual ideas. People think we do, but we don't. Right. It's a sum of, Mike, you might say something. I'm like, oh, hey, well, I heard this. Okay, now, yeah. and then we combine that, and now yeah. it's a new idea. Yeah. So the thing is, is the biggest impact in my life was that compression of decades, centuries, mm-hmm. of business leadership, of political leadership, of just being a, a leader altogether. Mm-hmm. And that, I was smart enough to, to, to write a hold of it but then also blessed enough to have somebody support and go, go for it. You can do this. I love it. And so that would be my take to everybody else is if you don't have that right now and you just need that encouragement, a hundred percent, I'm rooting for you. I don't care what your background is, what your race is, what your sex, your orientation, your religion. I want you to freaking win. Yeah. And so if you don't have that from somebody, even if you just need, Hey, I need to hear, you know, a text of, Hey, I need to win. Send me an Instagram message. I will gladly send you, Hey, you got this. Go freaking kill it. Yeah buck up. I got you that because that, that had the biggest impact. I love having it. people actually care. Yeah. And so if you're watching the video and you keep seeing me, like I got a fly, like just attacking me, man, this has never happened to me. Um, <laughs> so what's super interesting about a couple of things you said there, um, number one, it just really resonated with me that, you know, your greatest impact was that your family actually cared and you had people around you. And I think that that's why my audience has really, you know, I guess, surrounded and rallied together, you know, we could just even back to your experience in real estate and business and everything else. Like if somebody really wants to learn how to invest in real estate or business, there is a million courses out there that you can sign up for some of them being free to learn how to invest in real estate. But everybody thinks that like the how to is the golden ticket on how to get things done. But what I love 
that you said is that your family actually cared and surrounding yourself with people who are actually going to challenge you and elevate you to a higher level. That's why we love GoBundance because we're in a room of 500 other guys, obviously not all at once, um, but we're in a room of other guys that are not, it's, we're not in competition, even though it's a bunch of high charging, high performing guys. That's one of those rooms. GoBundance is one of those rooms where everybody, see that fly? you see that? <laughs> um, GoBundance is one of those rooms where the, the guys are just all cheering you on. They're challenging you. And so I love what you said. And we you hear know, this all the time. People have to find a room where they're being challenged. That's exactly it. You know, uh, there's a lot of people always say, hey, I want to be that fly on the wall, Mike. One of them got in. So he got in. That's, that's what this is. This is that fly on the wall. So, so don't, don't ever worry about it. Yeah. But you're absolutely right. The cool thing was when, when I got invited to, to, to join that group, um, you know, I said, Hey, if this is just to, to measure out balance sheets and do that, like I can go be awesome by myself. Mm-hmm. Like what I want to do is I actually want to help make people better. Yeah. And I honestly believe that anybody can do it. It's just the amount of education and who you surround yourself. Yep. You know, yep. that, that influencer effect is huge. Yeah. So if your friends aren't doing it, encourage your friends to do it. If those friends won't do it, it doesn't mean ditch out on, on your friends. Yeah. It means bring them up. I just went to a funeral of one of my very best friends in the whole wide world. I, I'd known him since I was five years old. He came out and painted some apartments in Missouri with me last year, second week of COVID. And, uh, and you know, for the first 30 years, you know, we were, we were typical, you know, t- typical dudes. Then he kind of lost his way. And in the last five years he came back and, and, I could see that impact in his life mm-hmm. and I could pick him up and go, Hey, here you go. And he could run at that. And then he built his own business and, mm-hmm. and he, he rekindled some relationships with his family and all this stuff. And it comes down to who do we surround ourselves with? Yeah. So if we're not seeing the results we want, people are very tribal. Mm-hmm. And so if we surround ourselves with better people, we're going to be better. That's why I follow, you know, guys like yourself on, on your podcast. That's why I listen to, to different things like Ed Milet or, or JP Sears. I love his, his cynical attitude, you know, like these are, these are just different things that it gets you into that mindset Mm -hmm. and it's who you surround yourself with. And if you surround yourself with good people, you're going to, it's going to, it's going to rub off on you. It happens. Yep. I love it. What was your greatest setback and what did you learn from it? Oh man, this one could take a long time, but I'm going to, I'm going to paraphrase this. Um, 2019 March uh, 9th, uh, I got a call from my cloud server from my appliance store. And, uh, and after two days of going back and forth, long story short is they expunged our cloud server that had our entire POS system, mm-hmm. our income, our expenses, our accounts receivable. And uh, in one day, I lost $13.5 million. Not only that, I lost my ability to give any records to a bank because we we're fully digital. So, um, those are, those are really bad days. Those are really bad days. Yeah. And, uh, and I'd be lying if I said, Hey, I don't still have to deal with that. I mean, it hits your credit. It hits everything. But I made a conscious decision that I wasn't filing bankruptcy. I wasn't doing anything. I was going to tenacity this thing through. I'd pumped all of my money in real estate back into it. Thankfully I'd used that, you know, build up those roses and make them better. Mm. So we're able to borrow against it. Did some hard money lending. Yeah. I had to pay some higher interest. Yeah, it hurts. Had to had to had to tighten up the belt, but uh, but ultimately it made me a better business person. It made me want to give more back. Mm. Um, but yeah, biggest setback in one day, and, and that wasn't necessarily something that was of my own accord. But like Cody Sanchez says, even if it if it if it's a, a financial loss, and you didn't mitigate it some way, shape, or form, that's on you. And that was what happened. I thought I had enough insurance. I didn't. 
you know, I had a million dollars of insurance. Um, once the attorneys fight it out, I got $370,000 on $13.5 million of loss. That's a bad day. After nine months of fighting. Help me understand just so I can have a practical takeaway on this. Like what, how, what is, what does expunged mean? And how did you lose 13.5 million? So we had our accounts receivable. Uh, we had like two and a half million dollars of accounts receivable, all of our POS system. So if you were a customer of our appliance store at that time and you bought an appliance set and we had delivered it to you, we wouldn't know. Uh, so you could have walked back into our store and said, Hey, here's my receipt. I never got my stuff. And I'd have written you a check wow. in the five years preceding. I had written three refunds in the preceding six months. I wrote almost a million dollars of refund checks. Now I couldn't have even gotten a hold of you and said, Hey, Mike, we were at your house three weeks ago to, to repair an appliance. I couldn't have gone in and said, Hey, Mike, I knew it because we were working with almost 1300 people a week. Wow. So we were a huge company and all of a sudden we had nothing. The day after the cloud server crashed, they called it a, cr a, a, a crash, but ultimately primary backup and hard start restart were all corrupted. And the host serving company made the conscious decision in order not to corrupt the rest of their system to consciously expunge, meaning physically destroy the cloud servers and hard start backups for 33 companies. And of that, Mine was one of those 33 companies. Jeez. And you can't it even was, prove, it, you can't even prove what you lost. So you couldn't even go after them. So market share, everything. This was the worst thing that can happen to a business. Um, it, it is, it is truly horrible. I wouldn't wish this on anybody. It makes you lose weight. It makes your personal relationships difficult with people. It, it, it stretches who you are as a person. Um, truly, truly a horrible thing. And, um, yeah, yeah, it was a big setback, but it helped me with some some mentality shifts and how do you how do you mitigate for? Wow. I mean, imagine if you had to mitigate for an asteroid hitting the Earth, right? Yeah. I mean, that's exactly what it was. Yeah. So just on, just on a on a practical note, I just want to make sure because you just like shook me. Um, yes. I have all my stuff on. You know, we've got a we got a tech company. Our stuff's on a cloud server, but then yeah. we paid extra to have a server installed, a physical server in our location that has backup mm -hmm. tapes is am i am i good <laughs> so uh so uh i thought so i thought so um so i am not the most tech savvy person i mean i, I like yeah i email yes we're on a zoom call right now but I, if we ever have an issue like i'm gonna get on a plane and go see you like mm -hmm. i would that would be my 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 personality i want my you know the one one hand to shake one 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 uh one face to punch like mentality is kind of my relationship style yeah um I thought so, because we had a third-party cloud server where they had two locations and then supposedly a hard start backup. But the problem is, um, and we, we had outsourced it. I mean, we were paying you know like $2,500 a month for cloud services, just for the cloud services. That's mm -hmm. just the data that we were using. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't like we were going cheap. Um, but what happened was they had a, an employee who tried putting ransomware in, and then it super corrupted it. Mm. That's what... Now, I haven't heard that officially, but that's that's the ends by what we kind of figured out after two years of court battles. Hmm. So, um, yes, maybe you should, cause you at least are in possession of something, but I would say this, I would back up your, your stuff and, um, and at least monthly know what you've got. You know, in, in our case, we were servicing so many people with our home services. Hmm. It was so many people, um, that, that we didn't have copies of everything. 
and and that's the problem and so once your reputation goes it's very hard to get it back you know that's the one thing that you have yeah. we went from a 4.9 google star review uh in in a six month period we went down to 3.1 hmm. wow. you know that, that's hard to come back we we're number one we were the number one through seven searches because we had a bunch of different names for different things one through seven and all seven of them dropped out of the top 10 Jeez. in our local area. Yeah. So there, there was nothing you could do. And so um, my recommendation is uh, even though digital is awesome, yes, we want to be environmentally friendly. Um, paper copies are, are pretty freaking sweet. Anything yeah. that's active, have a paper copy of it, or at least a way to get a copy of it and, uh, and always possess a hard stop, you know, every, every couple of weeks of your own that you possess, even if you're paying somebody else to possess it, keep a copy yourself. That's a so good point. You guys have that. So that's, that's a good thing. But in my case, I ignorantly thought that, Hey, if I pay somebody else, I'm, I'm going to be good. Mm. Wow. That's not the case. And, and it cost me, it cost me big. And, and that's a mistake I made. And so that I have to own that, you know, does it suck that somebody else did what they did? Absolutely. But ultimately you know, the 70 people who work for me, they, they're my responsibility. And that was my failure to not have all those things. Thankfully, the Friday before this happened over a weekend, the Friday before I had printed out my accounts receivable and accounts payable. So I knew exactly that I was owed over $2.5 million. Hmm. So that helped for going into court and going, hey, look, hey, here's this piece of paper. And I just happened to print it out at 359 because we were starting to call. Now, it was not the detailed one. So I didn't know who the customers were but I knew how much the loss was. Wow. That's crazy. And, and like I said, that, that 13.5 is full economic damage hmm. that includes. So, so 2.5 is straight up cash. Yep. Um, uh, another about $5 million worth of lines of credit called another about $2 million of debt called immediately. Um, because you know, all my vendors went from having net 60 and net 90 days to COD or cash on deli- on order, yep. which, which kills you in a business like that. Yeah. Um, so we had to shrink drastically. Um, hindsight being 2020, um, you know, we, we went into COVID measures before COVID measures or something. Yeah. <laughs> so it, it, it made it so that when COVID happened, we learned how to be profitable without having customers walk into our store, mm. which that's cool. Yeah. That right. Cool. So, yeah. Well, that was, yeah, look at that the, was a huge learning lesson there. So appreciate, appreciate oh, yeah. the transparency on it. What is, we, we got about eight minutes left. So what is the piece of advice you find yourself sharing the most? I think about the, that real estate doesn't appreciate. Mm. That is, that is my number one, because I talk to a lot of people who, who want to get into business. A lot of people who want to invest in real estate. Um, and, and the only way to make a piece of property or a business actually worth more money is to increase cash flow. So if you want more money, if you want your apartment complex to be worth more, it's not because of inflation. It's not because some idiot wants to spend overspend on it. It's because you both dialed in your costs, mm-hmm. you built a better product, you increase the value. Because flow. So cash flow is what, what actually does that. And then on a business, it's the same thing. You grow market share, you, you take out, you know, you, you grow your, your, your top side and you reduce your bottom side. That's how you actually increase value. I believe that, you know, these multipliers, these PE ratios that you're seeing on the street right now are overinflated. Mm-hmm. That's not how it goes. Yeah. Anybody can suppress market cap, right? So what we want is we actually want to really add value. That makes a lot and of that- sense. And the clarification around um, 
if a business is going to increase in value or appreciate, it's because you force some form of appreciation or equity. It's not that, you know, you buy, you buy a business today and keep doing exactly what it's doing or a real estate and it's just going to automatically appreciate. Bingo. And that's exactly it. And so, so that's my number one piece because it's a, it's a, if I can shift somebody's mentality from the very get go, from before they even start and that they have any preconceived notions that real estate doesn't appreciate, but you still want to do it because what you're really doing is pausing a certain amount of buying power in time for perpetuity. Because there are really three things that you can negotiate in any deal. There is price, there is the rate, and there's the duration. What you invest in doesn't matter. My grandma used to tell me, what you do doesn't matter. And I used to think, boy, what I do doesn't matter? Like, there's no meaning to this? She goes, no, 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 that's not what I mean. But she had kind of a southern accent, and she kind of, you know, had had that way, and it was just a different linguistic style. Mm -hmm. She says, no, what you do doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. I'm like, wait, wait, what I do doesn't matter? But she goes... She finally says it and, and she goes, no, the, the means and methods, the vehicle which you use to get your wealth and what you invest in, it doesn't matter. It could be toilets. It could be HVAC systems. It can be appliances. It can be a tech company. It can be housing for, for people in need. It can be data software holding services. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter. Yeah. The formula and the means and the economics behind it are the same. So what you do when everybody goes, well, I just don't know what I need to get into. Doesn't if it's matter. a janitorial company cleaning toilets, great, do it. If it's profitable, mm-hmm. then outsource that job. Figure out how the services work, figure out what the processes are, and then change those processes into something else. That's good. It's that simple. So that would be my number one takeaways. Number one, real estate doesn't appreciate. Number two, remember that there's price, there's rate and duration in any deal. Most people negotiate price with the seller and the rate and duration with the banks. Negotiate all three with everybody. Okay. So I, that was a clarifying question that I had. I mean, I think price is obvious. I think duration is obvious, but the rate was specifically the interest rate that you're borrowing money at or whatever the carrying costs are. Yeah. Or, or indirect costs of the acquisition of that money. I mean, you know, the, the, the rate is not just the actual percentage. It's the cost for that money as well. Mm. I mean, you've got fees for any bank, any hard money lender, any, anybody that gives you money rarely have I ever seen where somebody goes, Hey, Mike, let me give you a half million dollars. And just, you know, you just hit me back. You'd be like, <laughs> wait, what? No, it's like, Hey, here's my, my 1.2.3 point fee for underwriting it. Here's my, you know, my 12 points. Yeah. It's hard money for the, you know, per year. So 1% per month, yeah. or here's my 3% from the bank, but here's all this paperwork that you need. It depends. Mm-hmm. Right. Yep. So everything yeah. is negotiable. The terms, everything. Every, the personal guarantee, the non-personal guarantee, the recourse, the non-recourse, the, the way you affect it, the way you get your draws, those are all things. Everything is negotiable. Everything's I, negotiable. I love it. And it, it's like kind of blowing my mind right now. Um, your, your grandma was obviously, I, I see why she's had the greatest impact on your life, but even the duration when you're like pulling those three together, I mean, the, you know, the time and velocity of money has a big impact too, which I don't want to get too in the weeds on that, but but the reality is like, you know, I think a lot of times we, we focus on price. Most mm-hmm. people focus on price. And then, you know, we, uh, you said negotiate all of them, but a lot of times people are just happy to get the money. And the reality is you said we should negotiate all three because, you know, if we, if we get the price down and we get the rate down, that's fine. But if the duration is shorter or longer, that could drastically impact not only this deal, but future potential deals. Cause we can only borrow so much money, you know? Well, yeah. And, and it's a three-legged stool. So you can balance out 
think of the top of the stool as the payment that you have to have to make solvency work for the business or the investment asset. And to make that three-legged stool work, if you've ever had a tripod and you've, you've tried to sit on something that's uneven, you have to adjust one of those, those legs to make it work, mm-hmm. to get it so that it's balanced up top. And that's the goal. So we just have to look at that and know that you can negotiate everything. But so many times people go, well, I'm going to get, you know, I'm going to get the price from whatever we negotiate with the seller. And, and, you know, we meet in the middle and, and the, the, the rate is, is what the bank will give. And and they gave me the option. Do I want a 15 or a 25 or a 30 year loan? And you're like, you just got taken on all three of them. So be better. That's good. I love it. Um, well, we are definitely going to do a round two because, <laughs> um, uh, you know, I, I had a feeling we weren't going to get to uh, your, your, your badass ninjury. Um, so, Nigel, I just really appreciate all the wisdom. And I actually think, again, um, you know, the fact that we didn't get to how amazing your portfolio is and all the great things that you're doing. I don't look at that as a negative because I think you just dropped value after value after value when it comes to mindset and change and way of thinking. And so I don't think this episode could have gone any better. So um, any yeah. any parting words, any final last well, things? I'll do this just so that this way we've, we've tapped into it a little bit. So I own some laundry mats and a couple of those. I own a terrarium store, which is basically plants and jars. I had five appliance stores. We've got a couple of them now. We, we sell new used and, and service appliances. Um, I've got apartment complexes throughout uh, Oregon uh, and uh, Missouri, Arkansas, Tennessee, Kentucky, Alabama, uh, we rehab apartments, and my big mission right now is how to go into those impoverished areas of town uh, that people that look like me don't usually go into, and how do we make it better? Um, and so I don't put my money into Amazon or Google stock. I go into these areas of town that, that most people don't go into, and then I don't gentrify. I don't tear them down. I just go, you know what? You need better plumbing. You need better electrical. You know, your carpet's worn. Let me do this. And then I actually help those people qualify for housing hmm. and go in and help them fill out the paperwork because they, they should have it yeah. because it's my obligation as somebody who's worked their way into seven, eight, you know, figures. It's my obligation to help them get up. I have that education. It's my obligation to help them. Hmm. And so the one thing that I would ask everybody listening is you also have that obligation now that I've told you how to get there. I love it. So there's accountability from both sides. So that's what I'm doing. We're going in there. We're not necessarily looking for the lie tech stuff or any of that. It's just how do we make people's lives better? Mm-hmm. Because there's enough bad going on right now. And it, it stems from guys like us that haven't stepped out enough. So now as that, instead of going and working for Wall Street, it's the job of guys like me and you, Mike, to, to step up and go, hey, wait a second. We're going to be loud. We're going to be mildly abrasive. But we're going to fix this because here's how we actually fix it. And it means putting our money where our mouth is. And it means being unapologetically awesome. I love it. I like how you said mildly abrasive. (laughs) That's good stuff. Um, Nigel, where can people find you? Easiest way to hit me up is through Instagram. Just uh, Nigel Geisinger at uh, Instagram. Um, Pretty simple um, because nobody else has my name. It's just me. Um, So if you ever want to hit me up there, um, I don't, you know, I don't sell classes. I don't do any of that. I just want people to be awesome. awesome. So if you have a business deal or a real estate deal and you need somebody to, to, to bounce those ideas off of, I'm really good at it. And so I can do it usually fairly quick. I do commit that I will get back to anybody who sends me a message on Instagram. I love a question, it. I'll, I'll, I'll respond it. 
Very good. I appreciate your time and um, you and I definitely need to do a round two. So um, thank you, sir. Absolutely. Thanks, Mike. I appreciate you. If you found value in this episode and you know someone who's wanting to start or move further along in their journey toward investing for freedom, I would be forever grateful if you would share this show with them and help me get this message out to more listeners. Also, if you enjoy what you've heard, I would appreciate it if you take 30 seconds and leave me a five-star review and share this with your friends. And until the next episode, cheers to moving further along in your journey of investing for freedom.